Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and give my podcast five stars. Also, follow me on all of my social media platforms. The Gratitude Chick for both Instagram and Facebook, Gratitude underscore Chick for Twitter, and on TikTok, Babes Who Manifest. Also, for all of my reading babes, check out the new reading merch on the website, www.bwmmerch.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of your weekly devotional with the Gratitude Chick. Today, we are resuming our reading of 1 Samuel. We stopped last week on 1 Samuel 10. So we're going to start today on 1 Samuel 11. And as usual, I will continue to read. I'm going to try to at least let this be 30 minutes, not more than that. Um, And I did pray before I you know, started to record. So let's just jump right in. Um, Also, as a reminder, I am reading from the New King James Version. Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, On this condition, I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. Oh, wow. Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days that we may send messengers (coughs) to all the territory of Israel. And then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. So the messengers came to Geba of Saul and told the news and the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, what troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of the messengers, saying, whoever, oh, I lost my place, sorry. <laughs> whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. When he numbered them in Bezak, the children of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, Tomorrow by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Therefore the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may be you may do with us whatever seems good to you. So it was on the next day, sorry, 
So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning, in the morning watch and killed Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. Then the people said to Samuel, who is he who said, shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. So Saul has proven himself to the people as their new king. Because remember when we read last week, um, God gave them a decision. Either you want me to reign over you or you want some man. And they said, give us this man. (laughs) So now they have Saul, who has now proven himself as a king to go and slay. And really the people are so blinded by what their eyes see they have no faith in God and this to me is a testament to us because if you see all of the history of the children of Israel they walked by sight and not by faith so if they couldn't see it they didn't believe it and that is how they ended up wavering so much back and forth between you know praising God and you know hating God or or lamenting because of God, you know, in their mind because of God, not actually because of God. So I just think I wanted to point that out that, you know, a lot of Christians always use that scripture that says the walk, what, what does it say? Uh, walk by faith and not by sight. Well, the children of Israel, in my opinion, were different. They were flipped. They walked by sight and not by faith. And that, to me, is one of the reasons why they had such a tumultuous history in the Bible. Why they were so, you know, I feel like when they were praising God, he blessed them so much. And they were high, 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 high. And when, for whatever reason, they felt like God had, you know, was far away from them, they just, you know, forgot God. Like, just like that. And this is one of the reasons why I love the story of David so much. Because no matter where he was, what situation he was in, he praised God. He thanked God. In all things give thanks. He did that. And that is one of the reasons why I believe that God said he was a man after his own heart. Because of his praise because of his gratefulness and the children of Israel they never got that they never got that and every in this entire bible that i've read on the children of Israel they never got that one concept to walk by faith and not by sight they never got it okay <clears throat> but Saul said not a man shall be put to death this day For today, the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. So all the people went to Gilgal, and there they met Saul king. I'm sorry, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So that was Samuel's first feat as king. Okay, so now we're going to go to chapter 12. And chapter 12 is all about, um, is about Samuel 
um, basically his words during Saul's coronation to be king. Now Samuel said to all of Israel, Indeed, I have heeded your voice in all that you said to me and have made a king over you. And now there is the king walking before you, and I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. I have walked before you from my childhood to this day. Here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed, whose ox have I taken, or whose donkey have I taken, or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed, or from whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? I will restore it to you. And they said, you have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then he said to them, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand. And they answered, he is witness. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers up from the land of Egypt. Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. When Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your fathers out of Egypt and made them dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord their God, there goes. And when they forgot the Lord their God, he sold them into the hands of Caesarea, commander of the army of Hazor, into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab, and they fought against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, We have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hand of your enemies and we will serve you. So this is basically saying what I just said. They forsake they forsook forsook they forgot (laughs) they forgot the lord you know they turned away from him and one thing that i have learned in my brief time on earth is this the bible is so correct when it says that sin separates us from god god does not separate himself from us we separate from him because of sin. And this is what the children of Israel have admitted to. They have admitted to serving other gods. And even as we sit here, as I sit here reading this, and I'm thinking, how could you serve other gods? Just because our other gods, and I'm using small quotations, are not golden calves that they had erected back then doesn't mean that we're not here serving out other gods in ourselves in television in social media in movies and in music and anything that we put before god family work whatever whatever you're putting before god is your god it is an idol and the bible says that he is a jealous god Why? Because we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. He blesses us. How dare we put anything before God? So, okay, I'm going to stop that because I could keep going. 
And the Lord sent Jerubel, I'm sorry, I am really butchering these names, beaten Jephthah and Samuel and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelt in safety. And when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. That is deep. That is so deep. Because they literally said, We want a king that we can see. Even though the Lord our God, who has done so much for us and brought us out of this and that and made us high in the land, and even though he has done that for us, we can't see him, so give us somebody we can see. That is literally what they did. And he says it in these words. No, but a king, what he said, no, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. That is so deep. Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired. And take note, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers. Mercy. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. Is today not the wheat harvest? Girl, I'm sorry. I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord in asking a king for yourself. Even in them asking for a king so they can see something, he still is saying, I am going to bless you and the king that you asked for, even though I was your king. Even though I was, he's saying he's still going to bless you. It's, it's crazy. <sighs> so Samuel called to the Lord and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day. And all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And all the people said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. Then Samuel said to the people, Do not fear, you have done all this wickedness, yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And that is the kind of God that is the creator of the universe, guys. That is the kind of God. Because although we were born in sin, shaping in iniquity, and continue in our wickedness every single day, He's saying, still come to me. No matter how wicked you are, how sinful you are, whatever you do, still come to me. I still got you. That is literally what he says. Okay, I got to figure out where, am I, where I am. And do not turn aside, for then you will go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, 
because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. He said, the Lord, he said, you are mine. Even in all your wickedness and all your sinfulness, you are mine and I will not forsake you. It pleases me that you are mine. Do you even see? It's like a love story. It literally is. And when I don't even know if this is, I've had so much church in my life and so much church school that I, I can't even remember if this is in the Bible, if this is just someone's kind of analogy. But it was likened um, the church, ugh, the children of Israel and God were likened to a man in love with a harlot and how much he loved her, but she still went out harloting. I don't want to say the other word, but <laughs> she still went out harloting. And all he said was, I don't care what you do, or how much you harlot, I still love you. You are mine. Come back. And that is literally the same situation here. These people have worshipped, bowed down to other gods, to fake gods, gods that don't even exist. And he still says, you my people. I'm not going to forsake you. I love you. I'm going to teach you this lesson, though. Well, moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Ooh, child, that is, that is one of the deepest chapters. Okay, so now let us get to chapter 13. We still have some time. Okay, Saul reigned one year, and when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash and in the mountains of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan and Gibeah of Benjamin. The rest of the people he sent away, every man to his tent. And Jonathan attacked the garrison of the Philistines that was in Geba, Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. Then Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. Now all Israel heard it it said that Saul had attacked a garrison of, of the Philistines and that Israel had also become an abomination to the Philistines. And the people were called together to Saul at Gilgal. Then the Philistines gathered together to fight with Israel, 30,000 chariots and 6,000 horsemen, and people as the sand, which is on the seashore, in multitude. And they came up and encamped in Michmash, to the east of Beth-Avon. When the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, for the people were distressed, then the people hid in caves, in thickets, in rocks, in holes, and in pits, And some of the Hebrews crossed over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As for Saul, he was still in Gilgal, and all the people followed him, trembling. Then he waited seven days according to the time set by Saul. I'm sorry, to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal, and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and a peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. 
Now it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came. And Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. And Samuel said, What have you done? Saul said, When I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that you did not come within the days appointed, and that the Philistines gathered together at Mishmash, then I said, The Philistines will now come down on me at Gilgal, and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he commanded you. For now, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord commanded him to be commander over his people. Because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Whoa. So I did not realize that this was why David was set up. Because uh, Saul disobeyed God in, I guess, I'm thinking is is his disobedience coming because he went to, he tried to start a war or was it the supplication and burnt offering? Because that's Samuel's job. I, I'm, I'm not clear on which is the reason why he lost his kingship or his kingdom. <clears throat> I don't know. I don't know. I, I will have to. I might have to go back and see what. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. Based on this reading, I, I'm thinking it was because he attempted to. You know, back then, it, they couldn't just pray. They had to do so many different, you know, sacrifices and things. And the priest had to do it for them, I believe. So maybe it was that. I, I don't really know. I don't know. I'm going to I'm have to go back. I'll be back. Okay, so basically um, what I have read in Deut- Deuteronomy is that, and it's in Deuteronomy 17, starting with like verse 14 through the end of the chapter. And it is setting aside the principles of the king. Um, And it excludes really, or kind of separates the duties of king and priest. And this is what part of the law of Moses, the commandment that the Lord set aside for them when they decide to choose a king. He chooses the king, God, and then all of these principles that come along with it. This is his duties as king. So when he stepped outside of his duties as king to become priest, he uh, disobeyed the commandment. And that is how he lost his kingdom as far as this chapter is concerned. So um, I was right, or one part of me was right, or <laughs> that that's just what happened. Okay, so let's continue. Then Samuel arose and went up from Gilgal to Gibeah and Benjamin, and Saul numbered the people present with him, about 600 men. Saul, Jonathan, his son, and the people present with them remained in Gibeah of Benjamin, 
but the Philistines encamped in Michmash. Then raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines in three companies. One company turned onto the road to Oprah, no, Ophrah, to the land of Shul. Another company turned to the road to Beth Horon, and another company turned to the road of the border that overlooks the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. Now there was no blacksmith to be found throughout all the land of Israel, for the Philistines said, lest the Israel... Sorry, lest the Hebrews make swords or spears. But all the Israelites will go down to the Philistines to sharpen each man's plowshare, his mattock, his axe, and his sickle. And the charge for a sharpening was a pim for the plowshares, the mattocks, the forks, and the axes, and to set the points of the goats. So it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. So basically, this is saying that there was no person found in Israel who could make swords. And what they would do is go to the, to the what are these people's names? <laughs> I just read the name, to the Philistines to create the swords for them. So while they were coming into battle, Israel didn't have any swords. The people didn't have the swords. The swords were with Saul and Jonathan. So I just, I know it was a lot of kind of speak. And so sometimes you just got to figure out like, what are they saying? So that's why I decided to explain that part. And the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass of Michmash. So that's 1 Samuel 13. Let's see if we can squeeze in chapter 14. Uh, Okay. Now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. And Saul was sitting in the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. Oh, I would love a pomegranate tree, right? Hmm. The people who were with him were about 600 men. So... It's mentioning the the amount of men for a reason. Because if you remember, in the beginning, it talked about how many hundreds of thousands of men the Philistines had that were coming against Israel. So the fact that he was sitting there with 600 men, this is kind of pivotal um, to show the difference in the company right now. Ahijah... Ahijah? Yeah, Ahijah, the son of uh, Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of Phineas, the son of Eli. Okay, okay. The Lord's priest in Shiloh was wearing an ephod, but the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. Between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. And the name of one was Boses, and the name of the other, Senna. The front of one faced northward opposite Michmash, and the other southward, southward opposite Gibeah. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Uh, of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. Did, did you guys hear that? First of all, Jonathan is not king. For all intents and purposes, he is a prince. 
I don't know if they gave him that title, but because his father is Saul, and as we know of the monarchs now, um, if a son is born to a king, he is a prince, right? So although he is not given that title, for, for all intents and purposes, he is a prince. But no one, he didn't know, Saul didn't know that Jonathan decided to go to take on the Philistines, Philistines on his own. He took it upon himself to do it. So while he did that, um, I don't think he was disobeying just simply because none of these commandments came against him because he is not king. But I do think there was a reason why they, um, why the Bible, you know, pointed that out, him going and saying specifically that Saul did not know. Okay, let's keep reading. So his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart. Go then. Here I am with you according to your heart. Then Jonathan said, very well, let us cross over to these men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say thus, come up to us, then we will go up for the Lord has delivered them into our hand and this will be a sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines and the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. Then the men of the garrison called to Jonathan, his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me for the Lord has delivered them into the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on his hands and knees with his armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan. And as he came after him, his armor bearer killed them. That first slaughter which made Jonathan and his armor bearer, that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about 20 men within about half an acre of land. So Jonathan and the armor bearer killed 20 people, just, just them two. And there was trembling in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. The garrison and the raiders also trembled, and the earth quaked, so that it was a very great trembling. Now the watchmen of Saul and Gibeah of Benjamin looked, and there was the multitude melting away. And they went here and there. Then Saul said to the people who were with him, Now call the row and see who has gone from us. And when they had called the row, surprisingly, Jonathan and his armor bearer were not there. And Saul said to Ahijah, bring the ark of God here. For at that time, the ark of God was with the children of Israel. Now it happened while Saul talked to the priest that the noise which was in the, which was in the camp of the Philistines continued to increase. So Saul said to the priest, withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people who were with him assembled and they went to battle. And indeed, every man's sword was against his neighbor. And there was very great confusion. Moreover, the Hebrews who were with the Philistines before that time, who went up with them into the camp from the surrounding country, they also joined the Hidralites who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, all the men of Israel who had hidden in the mountains of Ephraim, when they heard that the Philistines fled, they also followed hard after them in the battle. So the Lord saved Israel that day, and the battle shifted to Beth-Avon. And the men of Israel were distressed that day for Saul had placed the people under oath saying cursed mm, cursed I don't know why it is I don't is it just me maybe it's just my church but we say blessed and cursed <laughs> blessed and cursed 
So I'm, I'm trying to stop that. Cursed is the man who eats any food until evening before I have taken vengeance on my enemies. So none of the people tasted food. Now all the people of the land came to a forest and there was honey on the ground. And when the people had come into the woods, there was the honey dripping, but no one put his hand to his mouth for the people feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the people with this oath. Oath. Therefore, he stretched out the hand, out the end of the rod that was in his hand, and dipped it in the honeycomb, and put his hand to his mouth, and his countenance brightened. Then one of the people said, "Your father strictly charged the people with an oath, saying, Cursed is the man who eats food this day.'" And the people were faint. But Jonathan said, "My father has troubled the land." Look now how my countenance has brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if the people had eaten freely today of the spoil of their enemies, which they found. For for now, would there not have been a much greater slaughter among the Philistines? Now they had driven back. So basically, Jonathan is saying his father is wrong. He's saying that I don't know if Saul is cursing the people because He's angry that of what Jonathan did. Um, I think that's a plausible reason um, because what Jonathan and the armor bearer did is what was the catalyst to jump off Israel overtaking the Philistines. So it wasn't anything that the king did. His son did it. So in that, he literally took away food from the men, you know, Instead of allowing them to eat freely after they're, you know, been battling all day. So Jonathan, he's basically saying his father's wrong. And I agree. I feel like Saul right here is really in his ego. Now they had driven back to the Philistines that day. I'm sorry. Now they had driven back the Philistines that day from Michmash to Ihalon. So the people were very faint, and the people rushed on the spoil and took sheep, oxen, calves, and slaughtered them on the ground. And the people ate them with the blood. Come on. From one day of not eating? It had to have been more than one day, because how are you eating raw food? Uh Uh-uh. Then they told Saul, saying, Look, the people are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. So he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone to me this day. Then, roll a large stone, okay. Then Saul said, disperse yourselves among the people and say to them, bring me here every man's oxen and every man's sheep. Slaughter them here and eat and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So every one of the people brought his ox with him that night, slaughtered it there. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. This was the first altar that he built to the Lord. Now Saul said, let us go down after the Philistines by night and plunder them unto the morning light. And let us not leave a man of them. And they said, do whatever seems good to you. Then the priest said, let us draw near to God here. So Saul asked counsel of God, shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you deliver them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. And Saul said, come over here, all you chiefs of the people, and know and see what this sin was today. For as the Lord lives who saves Israel, though it be in Jonathan my son, he shall surely die. 
what for as the Lord lives who saves Israel though it be in Jonathan my son he shall surely die mm. but not a man among all the people answered him then he said to all Israel you will be on one side and my son Jonathan and I will be on the other side and the people said to Saul do what seems good to you Therefore Saul said to the Lord God of Israel, Give a perfect lot. So Saul and Jonathan were taken, but the people escaped. And Saul said, Cast lots between my son Jonathan and me. So Jonathan was taken. Then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. And Jonathan told him and said, I only tasted a little honey with the end of the rod that was in my hand, so now I must die. Saul answered, God do so, and more so, more also, for you shall surely die, Jonathan. But the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die who has accomplished this great deliverance in Israel? Certainly not. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God this day. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. So Saul was going to kill his son all because he he wasn't even there to hear his his commandment or his oath to the company. And so he was just going to kill his son. Was it because he tasted the honey or was it because he was jealous because his son went out and the like I said the Philistines fallen into the hands of Israel was Jonathan's doing. I think it was jealousy. So Saul established his sovereignty over Israel and fought against all his armies, excuse me, all his enemies on every side against Moab, against the people of Ammon, against Edom, against the kings of Zobah, and against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he harassed, he harassed them. And he gathered an army and attacked the Amalekites and delivered Israel from the hands of those who plundered them. The sons of Saul were Jonathan, Jeshua, and Malkishua. No, Jeshua, Jeshu, Jeshui, and Malkishua. I am really butchering this. And the names of his two daughters were these. The name of the firstborn, Mirab, and the name of the younger, Michelle, Michal. The name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, the daughter of Ahimaaz. And the name of the commander of his army was Abner, the son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. Who wrote this, and why is this so convoluted? Now there was fierce war with the Philistines all the days of Saul. And when Saul saw any strong man or any valiant man, he took him for himself. I don't know what that means. He, what does that mean? He took him for himself. I think this world is so carnally minded that I'm thinking him saying he took him for himself is something sexual. It might not even been anything sexual. So that was First um, Samuel 11 through 14, chapters 11 through chapter 14. What did you guys think of that? I think that um, it really showed, like I said before, the love affair, uh, the love affair or the love God has for Israel, for, for, the, for his people whom he's, claim, who, whom he's claimed and their love-hate relationship with God. 
like they interpret they misinterpreted why God did what he did but for instance God showed his love in all of his overflowing blessings to Israel but Israel walked by sight so because they could not see him they turned away and worshiped false gods and there is how they really just kind of committed adultery if you will and by you know worshiping a false god when they know that god is a jealous god he says that so i think in this in these chapters it just shows and it really does solidify that um they definitely were people who didn't have faith and while i'm not you know judging them at all um because it it, it, re- it definitely proves true today with a lot of people and a lot of the things we go through every day. And which is why I always say keep a journal, a uh, manifestation journal or something of all of the blessings that you have so that you can look back on times when you need that extra boost and remember what the Lord has done for you. Um, and And that's why... One of the reasons why I wanted to do, you know, kind of this reading on on David, because one of my favorite scriptures about David is, um, and we'll get to it in 1 Samuel 30, but it says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And to me, when, what kind of encouragement do you, do you need when you encourage yourself? Like what? What is it that goes on that you encourage yourself? And when I thought about that, the first thing that came to mind was, was gratitude. Thinking back in your life and being grateful and remembering everything the Lord has given you, everything the Lord has done for you, every time the Lord delivered you from evil and from the hands of your enemy. To me, this is how David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He remembered who God is and what he has done. And that is how he boosted up his confidence and his faith in God because he never forgot and he always remembered. So I just kind of want to leave, leave, leave you with that and, um, and just remember that even if you have to daily remember what the Lord has done for you, count your blessings. Write down, um, you know, what you are grateful for each day. That is part of counting your blessings, you know. All day, just, you know, whatever you look at, say thank you, you know. If you are driving down the street and you, you know, you're moving in the opposite way of traffic and the traffic is light, thank you for for the light traffic, especially in Atlanta, you know. If you are, I don't know. Anything that you do, because the Bible says in all things give thanks, but anything that you do, anything that you see, if you are in a place where it doesn't rain and it rains today, thank you, Lord, for the rain. If you are in a place that it rains so much and it's sunny today, thank you, Lord, for the sun, you know? Just do, keep being grateful all day long. Being grateful, like, like I always say, gratitude is a prayer. Gratitude is a feeling state. 
So the more that you are grateful, the more that you have, the more that you'll receive to be grateful for, and the more you'll continue to praise God and feel the feelings of gratitude in your body. There is nothing like gratitude, I promise you. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate you coming in today um, to continue our devotional. I'm sorry it's a little bit past 30 minutes, but thank you for for, uh, sticking in there with me today. You guys have a blessed Saturday. Have a good day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, a.k.a. The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe to me on YouTube at The Gratitude Chick. Make sure to click in my description box for the link to paid surveys, manifesting merchandise, and much more.